Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Hey guys, a real quick reminder, family members, hey, if you're part of the New Vision family and membership here, um, we have a, a family meeting after as it relates to the budget. We want to invite you to stay back a little bit so we can have that meeting and uh, so you can know what's going on with there. Hey guys, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, we've been doing a sermon series called A Christmas to Remember. We're going to finish up that series uh, today and then we're going to end up and start a new series next week called Refocused as we refocus on the new year and what's going on in 2021, trusting God's got a bigger plan in 2021 than he had here. Even though God's done some crazy work during 2020 in light of all that's, that's been happening. You know, we know that 2020 has been kind of a rough year for us, but I find it amazing how God works. And he works in this way is that he is closing off this year with a blessing. Uh, this past Monday, Julie and I were walking our dog late at night, and we noticed that December 21st, 2020, had something very special. And I hope you caught it. If you looked up in the sky, there was something called the Christmas star or the star of Bethlehem. It's actually when the stars align, when Jupiter and Saturn align, and they almost look like one big star in the sky. And it only reminded me of the times. It only reminded me of the seasons. This didn't happen. This hasn't happened for over 800 years, back to the medieval times is when this took place. But it just reminded me how God so wants to remind us the reason for the season as he begins to pour out this star of Bethlehem type of thing as people looked up. And it brought to my mind that verse in Romans 1.20 where it reads, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they made, can clearly see his invisible qualities his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. That the creation speaks of the coming of Christ. The creation speaks of who God is. God is always speaking in light of all that's happening today. He still speaks. And so we know that creation plays a role in the revealing of the Messiah. In the story, we see these men from the, the east, these wise men, these magi, following the star in search of, for the king of the Jews. We're going to look at that story this morning. And for years, they have been searching for this king only to, to come to a house in Jerusalem. Now, this story, guys, I'm going to break it down a little bit. This story doesn't take place at the, at the birth of Jesus. It actually takes place several years later. If you really study the, the scriptures, by this time, Jesus is probably already uh, walking. He's a toddler. He's walking. He, he's talking. He's, he's in a house. So we see these years have just passed on. And we comes, these magi, they come to a house to worship him. They come to a house on their final journey of seeking him. And so we're going to look at the story of the Magi this morning, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 18, as we close off this sermon series, a story to a Christmas to remember. But it may be the end of this sermon series, it might be the end of the Christmas story, but it's not the end of Jesus' story, because Jesus' story still continues. So for you, Christmas and Easter only attender sometimes, you only get the Christmas and Easter story, but you got to fit the pieces together because there's more to the story if you read the Gospels. So let's pray in this morning, and then we'll get into the Word. Father in heaven, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace, and we pray this morning as we study your Word, Lord, that your Word will speak, because we know that your Word does still speak, that your Word is alive, 
that your word, your Holy Spirit teaches us and speaks. And so we're praying this morning that that would happen this morning as we study your word, as we go through your word, as we go through this aspect of the Christmas story of the wise men. Father, we pray that we would learn some things today. Because what happened over 2,000 years ago still is applicable for us today. We still see truths that we can find in your scripture for us today. And so we pray your Holy Spirit would teach us this morning and instruct us and to guide us and to lead us into all truth. And so, Father, we thank you and we honor you, Lord, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 First thing we're going to look at this morning, we're looking at four things this morning. Number one, people are looking for answers. People are looking for answers today. We know that 2020 kind of has shaken our, our systems, or shaken our foundation in some of our lives, our belief systems. It has rocked our, our world, and I think people are still looking for answers today. In fact, we live in such an information highway that people have gone online and figured out how they're going to figure out lives and what's going on with the virus and all the stuff on the news and all the things that are going on around us, and we don't even know what to believe anymore. We can't discern the truth. We can't discern whether it's on social media, whether it's on TV, whether it's on a newspaper, what is truth and what is not truth. And there's been so many things thrown all our way. We would think with all the information, we could be able to discern some things, but I think it's only brought more confusion. And I think even in this time, a lot of us have been troubled by what we've seen, what we've experienced, and what we've heard. And I think people are still searching for answers. 2,000 years ago, there were some men who were searching for some answers, and they came seeking answers. We see that in verses 1 and 2. It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, they're asking, they're going to ask a question, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star, the Bethlehem star, the Christmas star, in the east, and have come to worship him, right? They've come to worship him. Men from the East are coming and looking for answers. We see that in verse one, right? That's the setting. Jesus is already born, and it's been some time, and men from the East have been journeying, and they end up where? They, they end up in, in, in Jerusalem. They're, they're kind of six miles off from where Jesus was born, because we know Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but they, we find them in Jerusalem. They're a little off target, but they're getting a little closer to Jesus, I want you to understand, even in the time where people are asking and seeking questions and look for answers and people are journeying, they might be a little off, but you know what? God's not done with their journey yet. God's not done with the process. God's not done with those that are seeking him. And people that are troubled in their heart are, are seeking. You, know, you might be off a little bit. That's okay because God's still working. God's still drawing. And these magis, they have a heart. They're trying to seek after God. They were, they were stargazers, these magis. They were followers of a bright star. They were seekers of the truth. They were philosophers as they begin seeking after Jesus. But I want you to understand something about this time and about what's even happening with the Magi. God is so patient with us in our seeking, is he not? He's so patient with us as we're trying to figure out the truths. And they come because they're going to ask some questions in a minute here. You know what? God will use what he needs to use to draw us to him. Each of us has a narrative. Each of us has a story of how God brought us. And we could be here hours listening to the testimonies of how God worked. But when you look at the story or the Christmas story or Christmas to remember, you find that Joseph needed a dream to squelch his troubled heart, right? When he heard about Mary. The shepherds needed an angel to bear witness of the coming Messiah because they were fearful in their hearts. And here the men of these come and they're using a star to draw them to Jesus here in the story, the, the, the creation to draw them to the presence of Jesus. But these men come asking questions. 
We see that in verse 2. It's okay to ask questions this morning. In order to find answers, you have to ask some questions. You need to ask some questions. Where is the king of the Jews is what these magi asked. They asked this question for a purpose because they said they wanted to come worship him. They had, a, they had, some, they had some resolve in the heart when, in their seeking. They wanted to come worship, worship this Messiah. They heard something about a, a new king. Maybe it was the words of the shepherds that were spread when the shepherds went out after they saw the baby Jesus because the Bible says that when they shared the word, it went wide and far, all the way to the Middle East, all the way uh, to, to Persia, all the way to Babylon, that far. Maybe that's where these magi heard about this Jesus. But I want to challenge you. Maybe you're online watching. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're checking out faith for the first time and you have some questions. It's okay to have questions, and it's okay to ask questions regarding who Christ is, because the wise men, even in the story, were not afraid to ask questions. I want to challenge you, church, as you're journeying with people and you're ministering to people, they're going to ask you a lot of questions. Be patient with them as they ask questions. Journeying with them with their journey. Be alongside them as they're asked questions. And they might have crazy questions and far out questions or whatever it may be, but we still need to be present with them. And one of the commentaries, he kind of begins to break down what's going on in the caste system or how God works, because God wants all people to come, regardless if you're rich or poor or everything in between. In fact, the commentary by Tap says this, God, to show that he, he respected not persons, revealed this grand mystery to the shepherds and the wise men. The one poor, the other rich. The one learned, the other unlearned. The one Jews, the other Gentiles. The one near and the other far off. God came for all of us. And so if you're here seeking today, if you're asking questions, I want to invite you. This is a place to ask questions. This is a safe place. No question is a dumb question. You always heard that, right? And so that's part of learning. That's part of growing. And that's what the Magi, they came seeking and they came asking questions. Why? Because people have an inquiry mind. People have an inquiry mind. You see that in verses three and four. Look at this. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born, right? The stirring up of the question stirred up Herod's heart. It troubled him, right? And so what happens here, Herod is beginning to, Ask, ask questions. He begins to begins his probing for asking questions here. I think in the times we live in, people are probing for answers. They're probing for answers. Why is this happening? Why is everybody dying? Why would God allow this? Is this a punishment from God? There's all these questions that people ask. I think when people begin to ask questions about spiritual things, I think it's they're beginning to seek out spiritual things. They're being to look out for answers about God. But I want to challenge you with this. Some of the things you hear about God might be troubling to you. Some of the things you read about God might be troubling to you. I was with a young lady last night in my house and my wife was sitting there and she was talking about the book of Numbers and Exodus and why was God allow this and why did God allow that? And we were breaking down a little bit of the scriptures of what was going on in those passages because she was troubled by what God was allowing to happen is there was death in those stories and there was judgment on stories. There are some things we're gonna learn about, about God we're gonna have to be troubled with. Herod's gonna be troubled by some things he hears about Jesus. He's going to be troubled. It's going to, it's going to sting him a little bit. And there's some things you're going to understand even when you hear, you're going to be like, I don't know if I agree with that. 
But I, I want to ask you to be patient in the process as God's revealing who he is. Because you got to see the whole God. you got to see God of the Bible, the whole scriptures as described by him. Sometimes we like the loving God, but we don't like the judging God. Sometimes we, 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 we want the kindness of God, but we don't understand the wrath of God. There's both sides to God. And so we see here, you're going to see Herod going to be troubled. Herod, so what did Herod do? In, in probing the questions, he, he gathers the educated, the studied, those who would have known the Hebrew scriptures. He, he gathers the, the scribes and the, and, the, and the priests here. He wanted to know what, what the wise men said was true. Is what these men coming, ask, is this, this king of the Jews, is it really true? Was there a king present? Because that news troubled Herod. Because Herod didn't want to share his kingdom with anybody, right? Now, many people have a lot of different reasons for searching. A lot of people have a lot of different reasons for searching. Many of you might be aware of Josh McDowell. Joshua wrote a book, uh, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. I encourage you to read it. But his purpose in writing that book was to prove that Christianity wasn't true, that Christ wasn't true. And in researching and writing and studying, he came to faith in the very thing he tried to disprove. So he wasn't seeking to, to discover who Jesus is. He was trying to seek to destroy who Jesus was. But in doing the process, he came to faith in Jesus. is now one of the greatest apologists of our day in many of his writings. We, I'm trusting that in your seeking and in your asking questions and even in your troubled heart, God is working supernaturally in your life whether you see it or not. He's still working. He's still doing a, a great work. And even in this troubled times, God is still working. Even in 2020, God is still moving whether you realize it or not. He's still revealing himself. People are coming to know him even in this difficult times. You know, we, we, we forsake the fact that we're suffering today, but we have a suffering Messiah. Jesus went through some hard times too. We have to understand that. So if we're going to identify him, we understand and we identify with his suffering. And we're going through some difficult times this past year. Some of you have lost people. I've lost people this year. I've lost a mom this year. I've lost friends this year. I've lost a mentor this year. Some of you have lost family and friends this year. It's been some rough times. Some of you have lost jobs. Some of your Christmases was on Zoom calls. We've been through some hard times where the family's been separated. But in all of that, in those troubled times, God's going to give you a peaceful heart. And he's going to give a peaceful heart in a moment to the, the Magi's. But I want you to understand, when people are asking and seeking things, the second thing is people will find answers in his word. Read that in Matthew chapter 2, 5 through 8, right? It reminds me of a mother who brought her son and they had a picture of their, her husband, the son's dad. He was in the military, he was army, and he was out serving. And he, he, he brought up, she had a big photo of those. You know how they have the military photos of them? He had one in the room, and every day they would go look at the photo, and, say, and they would pray for dad, they'd pray for her husband. They would say, hey, we miss dad. And then the little son said this. One day his mother, mama, wouldn't it be great if dad could just step down out of the frame? I think for centuries we have been looking into the, heavens, into the heavens asking the same thing. Wouldn't it be great if God could step out of the heavens to be with us? And 2,000 years ago, that's exactly what happened. God became flesh and dwelt among us. We find our answers in life. We trust we can find them in the scriptures. And you're gonna see that Herod's gonna find them in the scriptures, this truth about who Jesus is. Look at five and six. So they said to him, in Bethlehem in Judea, for thus it is written to by the prophets, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. What do you see here? 
question was asked. Is this true? Another question is asked. Herod asked it, and the priests respond. And the priests and scribes got it right, quoting the prophet Micah 5.2. They, in, the, in the prophecy, what do, you, what do you read? You read the fact that, that in the words, it reveals the location of this Messiah that was going to be born in Bethlehem and Judea. It reveals the lowliness and the humility of this, this Messiah that would come, this baby that would come. You're seeing the revealing of the scriptures. But the sad thing was that the, these, these, these scribes and priests were none to God's truth. They were none to the word of God. They were hard to the word of God. Now, I don't know about this last couple of days, but I've eaten a lot of sugar these last couple of days. Thank you for your gifts. Thank you for the candies. Thank you for the cookies. Thank you for the seized candies. I went in a sugar coma. Okay? I know a lot of you too, I mean, eating and you can feel it in, in your body, right? Sugar makes you lethargic. It, it makes you sleepy. Maybe this first Christmas day, they have partaken of too much spiritual sugar and have fallen asleep to the truth. That's what you see in these scribes and their priests. Though they knew the word, there was no movement on the word, right? It's sad that the word doesn't re reinvigorate these religious servants. They, they knew where to find. They knew the prophets of old. They knew the scriptures of old. These religious leaders were called to bring life to the people, and they didn't even have life themselves. The priests, these high priests, may have been a part of the Sadducees and the scribes, the Pharisees. They were the students of the, of the law, were not prompted to seek and worship the new king. They didn't jump on board with the Magi to go accompany them to go seek this king. The king they knew about that was to come out of the prophet Micah. You know what? They had a lot of, they had a lot of information, but no transformation. In fact, they had a lot of perspiration, but not inspiration. Hebrews says this, a mature man is able to discern between good and evil and these religious leaders couldn't discern between good and evil. They were serving Herod. They had no influence on Herod the Great. They had no influence on him, any spiritual influence on him, on this leader. These men were not like Daniel in the Old Testament when Daniel had influence over many kings in the Old Testament and they would come to Daniel for, and Daniel would give a counsel. Here they're asking Herod, but there was no movement for that. They didn't, came, they didn't come seeking after that. They gotten away from being gospel-centered to being self-centered. In some ways, the church has gotten away from that. We've forgotten the gospel. We trusted our own efforts instead of the work of Christ in us. Here, the leadership had no influence on this ruler. No influence. It was dead religions. Let me tell you something. Even in the seeking today, False secrets can be numbered in the crowd. False secrets can be numbered in the crowd. And you see that again in 7 and 8. Look at this. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and Judea. Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. We have a secret seeker here. Herod, the secret seeker. He didn't want his faith to be known. He was hiding his faith in some ways. In fact, he probably didn't have any faith that we're going to see that, that he had a hidden agenda here. He said, bring them in secret. He brought the wise men in secret. Anytime anybody wants to bring something in secret, that should be a sign. Anytime time they have secret meetings, that should be a sign. You know, there, there's, there's no, no transparency here, right? Herod asked his own question regarding star. He's trying to seek out information from the wise men. But we know that Herod had an underlining agenda. He had an underlining agenda. And sometimes these secret seekers, these false seekers in the crowd have an underlining agenda. They do. 
Where do we find here? We find that Herod is really wanting to manipulate the Magi for his selfish gain. For his selfish gain. You go find if it's true and return to me so I can go worship him. That's what Herod requested. That I could come follow him. You know what it really is? He's saying, go search, go search this truth out. Is it true? You only see the anxiety of Herod. Why? Because he was anxious about the fact that there was another king. He, 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 was, he was uncomfortable with his own leadership. He, he, had, he had anxiety. And in some ways he's saying, go search out. Leave no stone unturned. Go find out this, where this kid is so I can come worship him. He, Herod has his own insecurities. He had his own issues. He had his own problems, right? I love, when, I love this about the Magi, maybe that's why they were mature, is that when Herod asked for that request, the, the Magi never give him an answer. They never say, Let, we're going to do this. Oh, we'll get right back. They, they never respond to the request. You never see that in the text. But I want to tell you this, that in the church today, that in the church today, there are wolves among the sheep. There are wolves, there are wheat among the tares. We see that here. They may say all the right thing, they look like sheep, but they smell like wolves. Paul the Apostle writes about that, um, speaks of, speaking to the Ephesians elders in Acts chapter 20, says, let me, I got to go, I'm going to die, but let me tell you, you're going to be shepherds of the church, but there's going to be wolves among them sheep. Be careful. Be careful. What is the fruit of the people that are living and working within the church? The fruit of the Spirit needs to be evident in their life. Right? They have to be kingdom-minded, not earthly-minded. We need to be about building God's kingdom. Sometimes in the church, we're building more our kingdom than God's kingdom. We're here about building the kingdom of God. I'm hoping New Vision, you sense that here, that we're here about building God's kingdom and edifying the church and building up the church for the glory of God and the building of his kingdom. And we know that in this process, if there's wolves on it, we know that in the church there are those who are going to oppose the work. Jesus called us to be Salt and light. In fact, in the scriptures, in the gospel, and the Beatitudes are in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. It says, you are salt of the earth, but the salt loses its flavor. How shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. If you're not bearing the fruit of work, you're not doing it. Jesus says, cast them out. It's no good. They're, they're lost their saltiness. We're the salt to the world. Why? Because the world needs a little bit of flavor. You ever go, I used to go to movie theaters and used to buy popcorn. You spend $100 for popcorn and $200 for a Coke. And they sell you that popcorn and you have to buy the Coke because it has to quench the church of the thirst of the, from the salt of the popcorn, right? We're the salt, right? We're trying to get people to thirst a little bit for the living water, for the water that's gonna thirst their soul. That's what we're called to do. For those that are seeking and asking questions, we're gonna bring the, the living water, the, the overflowing water. So we see that there could be people that are false seekers in there, in the crowd. But let me tell you the third thing this morning. People rejoice when they find what they're looking for. People will rejoice when they find that we see that in verses 9 through 12, 9 through 12 in Matthew 2. Many years ago when we first married, my wife lost her ring. She couldn't find her wedding band. And she was searching frankly, frankly, she, uh, frantically. And she's looking around the house. She couldn't find it. She was looking everywhere. And uh, she, took a st- she took a moment. She started to pray, God, help me find my ring, my wedding ring. And I'm like, yeah, help her find her wedding ring. <laughs> and I, I swear not, she, ha- she heard this voice. 
They say, go check the recycling bin, like the Lord spoke to her. So she goes out and she starts digging. She's dumpster diving, okay? And she's digging through the recycling and she finds, she, she finds this foil, this aluminum foil wrapped up. And she's like, what's this? She opens it up and there's her wedding band. Man, my wife was rejoicing for what she found, right? She was celebrating. She was thankful for what she found. You know what? We're going to rejoice for what we find. And God will make a way for us to find him. We see that in 9 and 10. Look at this. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them until it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, when they found it, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. I love this. A star went before them. God's already making a way. God's already making a way, right? It says the star appeared when they began their search. Did you, hear, did you catch that? The star appeared when they began their search. You know when things are going to happen? When we take steps of faith. You know when things are going to move? When we say, I'm going to go this way. I don't see it yet, but until I take that step of faith, that's when God moves because without faith, we cannot please him, the scripture says in Hebrews 11:6. We need to take steps of faith. We're not trying to get our ducks in the row. That's not how it works. I'm going to make it when I get on my ducks in a row. No, by faith, the ducks are never in a row. We step by faith and he moves when we take faith steps. That's how he does. When, when Jesus met the man on the pallet, what did he do? He said, arise and walk. What? The man was paralyzed for 30 something years. But he says, what? He had a heart. He said, I'm going to move forward. When he moved his body forward, when he tried to reach for Jesus, God met him in his reaching. God will, reach, God will meet you in your searching. God will meet you in those very things as, as you're taking steps because he'll make a way. And when they saw the star by faith, they were elated. They leaped for joy. They already had a worshipful heart. Imagine already, they're already worshiping. Before they even came to the house where the star was coming over, they were already worshiping. I'm hoping that if you're driving to church, you already start worshiping before even Franklin leads us. I'm hoping that you're already driving, you're listening to some worship music, or you're, you're praying in God. What do you have for me? This You're preparing your heart before you even get into the sanctuary. Before you get in, because then God, what he inhabits the praises of his people, the scripture says. They were all together. Now, we think it's the three magi because it's the three gifts. There could have been multiple magi on this journey. And can you imagine they were outside following the star, and they're like, woo, woo And they're throwing up their hands, and they're rejoicing, and they're leaping. Man, like with Hannah, when she was praying, burden, they thought she was drunk. Like, man, what kind of wine you been drinking? But they were rejoicing. Jeremiah 19, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you search me with your whole heart. But let me tell you what happens when we seek him and find him. God's presence will prompt generous worship. God's presence will prompt generous worship. Look at 11 and 12. And when they had come into the house, notice a house and not a barn, not a thing. They saw the child, not baby, toddler, with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And they had opened their treasures and they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then being divinely warned in the dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. First of all, their response to what they found was physical. It was physical worship, right? They, they bowed before the Lord. They went prostrate. They, they got on their knees and they, and they put their head down to the ground, right? They bowed before the young child. This child, this toddler who was probably running around the house saying, I have no idea who you are. You know, just you have two-year-olds running around your house. You know what that is, moms? Two-year-olds, 
You're hoping they keep focused a little bit. All right, and these, these men come in dressed up with garbs from the east. They're, they're walking in their house. They're coming in. They're invading your home, and they're bowing down, and little kids just going, where's my milk? Where's my cookies? You know what I mean? I can picture the craziness of what that, that house going on in this house, right? They're, this family this, this family's probably enamored by these, this caravan that showed up at their house. It was unexpected. They just dropped in one day when they were following their star. Unexpected guests that showed up. Right? Many of you panic when you hear someone's coming over your house. Oh, I got to clean my house down because guests are coming. They didn't have that time. Probably was a mess. Probably things all over the house. But these magi came in the house and they bowed before the king. I'm sure there were some wow moments with the family that was going on. And so they had physical worship, just like we come into the sanctuary this Christmas and we were singing Christmas songs and worshiping about this newborn king and doing all these things. We, we raised our hands. Someone's got on our knees. We raised our hands. We, we shouted with our voices. There were some physical aspects to our worship. You know, I, before I got saved, I, first time I went to camp and they were church out of car, they're, they're singing and worshiping and they're raising their hands. I didn't know that experience before. I had no idea what they're doing. It was so strange for me. Like they're singing songs about a God you can't see and they're raising hands and like, I, I'm unchurched. I don't know any of those things. I'm like, what is this? Is weird. Is this like a cult? Like, what are they doing? Like, why are they raising their hands? And I'm looking up into the sky and I'm like, what's up? What's going on? You know what I mean? And I, some of you might be here this morning. This is a, you, you, you don't come to church. You're unchurched. Or maybe you've never been here and you see people raising hands and they're saying hallelujahs and, and they're crying out because they love God. It's the way of expressing their love. God's called us to express our love that way. And so when the Magi came in, they're bowing down because they're expressing their love to this little baby king that they've been following and journeying and getting to the house for many years. But not only did they give and worship physically, they had monetary worship. They gave out of their resources, right? They came bringing gifts, they came bringing three gifts. In the Eastern culture, when you came to a king, you brought gifts. That's part of the culture. That's part of what was going on. And they're presenting it to Jesus. And they're presenting the monetary gifts to the Lord. That's why we give our tithes and offerings, because we're giving our monetary out of an act of worship to the king. We're supporting his kingdom. We're supporting his work. Just like the Magi, this is what is going to allow them. Maybe this is the, the monetary income that's going to get them down to Egypt in a moment. To get them to where they need to be because Herod's going to be a terror in a minute. It, it's this resource that's going to allow this king to grow up and, and be able to, to care for this family for a moment. We know that Joseph was a carpenter because they referred Jesus as the son of a carpenter. So he had a trade. But this resource blessed this family. This gold, this frankincense, this myrrh that we read about. A gold for a king, frankincense for what his, his divinity. And the myrrh for his death. We, we see these gifts telling the story of who he is. Identifying who he is in the giving of these gifts. In fact, this whole event was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 60 verse 6 it says this vast caravans of camels will converge on you the camels of Midian and Ephah the people of Sheba will bring gold and frankincense and will come worshiping the Lord 700 years before this even took place we see it read in the scriptures we are called to even in our own times and efforts 
We're so blessed that you guys have been so generous to us in this COVID season. I want to thank you guys for being so generous in this season, caring for the needs of the stuff that we needed here. When other places are closing down and churches are struggling and they can't keep their doors open and businesses are shutting down, you've been so generous because I believe that's your act of worship. So I thank you for your generosity. I thank you for your gift giving. I thank you for your service. I thank you for your sacrifice. I thank you for what you're doing because I know that's an act of worship on your part and a sacrificial on your part in these difficult times. Yet you've been so faithful. God's people should be known for their generosity. Guys, when you go out to eat, don't throw them a track and leave no tip. Give them more tip and keep your track. That'll bear more witness to them about who you are. Sometimes we, we get it backwards. We get it, we get it wrong, right? I love what Spurgeon said. He said this, he says, this is a wonderful pattern. Those who look for Jesus will see him. Those who truly see him will worship him. And those who worship will consecrate their substance to him. There's a process. See, when God transforms your heart, you understand what he's done in your life. You understand that the greatest gift that we received is Christ. And when we receive Christ, that's the greatest gift. And that's the gift that keeps on giving. Right? And then that gift of Christ that comes in through his spirit, retransforms us. And he does something inside our life. That's why when, when Zacchaeus got saved by the words of Jesus, he gave back half of what he took and then gave four times more to the poor. It wasn't even required. He became a generous giver because he became transformed. See, our giving isn't about the amount of money. It's about the transformation of our hearts. It's about what we give unto the Lord. It's just sacrifice. God said purpose in your heart what you're giving. He never said a price. He never said this amount or this amount. Now, we get the tithes from the Old Testament, but the reality of all this was that actually everything we own comes from God and everything belongs to God. So everything we give back to God. That's, that's a calculation. Some of us think, well, we got to have a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of, we can't be over things. You know, we, we try to, we've got we to balance life. No, that's not the balance scale of faith. All God and no world, that's the balance scale of faith. That's how we live. We're all in. We're not trying to figure this out and balance everything out. Be careful. But what you find here in the story when these magi came seeking Jesus is that God protected the seekers through a dream, not a star. He told them, don't go back to Herod. And they went and they left. And I'm sure they, they responded in the same way that the shepherds did. They were rejoicing and sharing as they went. And they were communicating the message. But lastly, guys, some people will be troubled by what they find. I, I want to challenge you, even when you come to faith, you're going to be troubled by what you find, right? Following Jesus is not without its trouble. The Bible says we enter the kingdom through tribulation, through trials, through struggles, Right? But how we respond to who Jesus is, is a matter of life and death. Some of us know that. Some of us, we have masks on here. For some of us online, we, we know that life and death is a matter of a mask. Whether we have it on or off, it could be life or death. But what happens is you put on the mask after you heard the revelation, the instruction of what this virus could do. You say, this is what happened. We need to put on a mask. In light of the information, you responded by putting on a mask. Let me tell you what. In light of the information you heard about the Christmas story, how do you put on Christ? Because knowing him is a matter of life and death. We are to be clothed with Christ today. The whole Christmas story is about who he is coming and his purpose and coming that we would be clothed in him and that he would live in us and that out of us we would birth the things of God. We see that happening here. Because the apostle Paul wrote this. 
In the latter part of his life, in 1 John, he who has the Son has life, but he who does not have the Son does not have life. We have life in Christ. But even this family, even Joseph and Mary, felt the touch of Herod, felt the persecution of Herod, right? Families will be persecuted for Christ. Look at 13 through 15. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take your child, young child, and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and, and, th- and was there until, his death, until the death of Herod, that it might be what fulfilled, which was spoken to the Lord through the prophets, saying, out of Egypt, I called my son. The first Christmas story, the first Christmas ended with a, families, with a family that was fugitives the family of fugitives. That's what it ended. They were fleeing. They're, they're, they're fleeing and they're heading out. They're fleeing Bethlehem. They're heading away. They're running away, right? Because of the law of a man. Because Herod the Greek put down a, a law. And be, when this law went to kill babies, you're going to see that there's going to be babies killed. Guess what? They were warned in a dream. I think God still speaks in dreams today. Amen. He still does reveal things in dreams and they fled to Egypt. This was a family on the run who was being pursued by a demonic king, right? Herod wanted to destroy this child, but Jesus' time had not yet come. His time had not yet come. And what did Joseph do? He did exactly as the angel had said. He obeyed the angel's command, the angel Lord's command, and he remained in Egypt until the death of Herod. Listen, life in death, life in death comes on whether we obey or disobey. You know, um, you only have to read Ephesians 6. Parents, you know, you probably know this passage. Children, obey the Lord. Obey your parents, right? Children, obey your parents. For doing so, you will have long life. Right? You know, parents, you know what I'm talking about? You don't obey me, man. Your life's going to be real short. Right? Right? Mom, dad, you know what I'm talking about, right? But there's some principles here. The principles we honor the Lord, we obey the Lord, and we'll have long life. Now, now there are people that die young, I understand that, but it's the quality of life that he's talking about here. And it might be physical long life, but there's also the quality of life here. Joseph and Mary obeyed the commands of the angel Lord and they remained in Egypt. They did what the command of the dream had said and they, they obeyed it. God the Father will protect the Son until the time is right and his purpose is completed. He, when he stayed in, in, in Egypt, he was safe. When Rahab stayed in her house in the book of Joshua and her family, and they said, put the red flag out the window, she was safe when the judgment came. When the, and the walls came down, she was safe. Guys, when we walk in obedience to the things of the Lord, God will keep us safe. He'll protect us. But we know that this family is going to be on the run for a while here, though. And, and, and this wouldn't be the last time Jesus is going to face death. This, this is the last, last run with death with him. Throughout the, his narrative, throughout the Gospels, many of them just wanted to kill him many, many times. And ultimately, he went to the cross for us. But that was the plan death. That was the purpose by which he came. He had to have the carnation. He had to have the, the, the incarnation to be crowned in order to go to the cross. He, he had to have these things. 
We know that this first Christmas was a fulfillment of prophecy as Matthew is quoting Hosea 11.1. Hosea spoke of Israel, who was the picture of God's son, and Jesus would come out of the line of Israel. And we know that he came out of, the whole, the Israel came out of Egypt and the bondage in Egypt. Suffering, guys, your coming to faith doesn't exempt you from suffering. You and the church, I don't, I don't want to break your bubble, but it's hard. This walk is hard because you're going against the current of things. You're trying to walk in faith of God. You're trying to walk righteously before God. And that'll stir up the darkness. It's okay. If you're going to suffer, suffer for doing good and not for doing evil. If you're going to suffer, suffer for righteousness sake, the scripture says. They were struggling a little bit, this family, running down and fleeing to Egypt, going hundreds of miles back. But also Herod was troubled as we close. People will be troubled by Christ, 16 through 18. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all the districts for two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentations, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because there they are no more. We find in verse 3 in the story that Herod was troubled by the news of a Jewish king. We find in verse 16, we read that Herod was greatly and was exceedingly angry. Why? Because he was outwitted by the Magi. They didn't come back, right? We know that King Herod was a scary man. He was a scary man. He was an Edomite from the line of Esau. He was a powerful man. And when he brought trouble, the whole city felt it. When he was troubled, the city was troubled because he was a violent and ruthless man. He killed members in his own family. That's how ruthless he was because of his fear that they were to take over his rulership. He was a moody ruler and he was very paranoid. Some believe he even battled some mental illness. Let me tell you, just like there was no room for the inn for Jesus, in Herod's mind, there's no room for another king. There's no room for another king. And in his anger, he ordered the death of babies two years and younger. There was genocide being poured out. That had been a plan from the enemy since the beginning of time. You see that in Exodus. You see that with Haman. You see that with Herod. You see that with Paul. Trying to destroy the line of the Messiah. Trying to destroy everything that was happening. That's the plan of the enemy. He, Herod put a death sentence on the children of Bethlehem. And yet Herod received the truth of Christ. He chose to reject him and finally fight the truth. There are people, when they hear the truth, they're going to fight the truth. They're going to hate the truth. And the truth of Christ will boil the tempers of some. And some will respond, respond violently. In the Middle East, some of that happens. We see that believers being persecuted for their faith. And we see here Matthew quoting the prophet Jeremiah in 17 and 18. He was the weeping prophet. And we know the story because he saw God's people be taken in captivity and he wept over the city. He wept over the children being taken and being killed. There was this whole destruction of Jerusalem as Jeremiah watched the city being destroyed by unbelieving kings and he wept over it. He wept over the injustice of his own time. He wept over the, the death by the hands of others, Jeremiah did. May we weep over the injustice of our times. May we weep over the efforts of the death of people because of the wrong ways. We have to weep over that. We have to lament over it. 
That's what's happening here. The toddler has stirred up a lot of commotion for this community. Herod was troubled in his own heart. He brought troubled times, this baby, this little kid. The dead and menace of the Bible maybe might say. <laughs> he troubled people's heart. He troubled us maybe as believers because we know we're going to go through trials and tribulations and troubles as we walk the faith, but the unbeliever is going to also go through his troubles and trials and tribulations till he comes to faith and find peace in Christ. So I leave you with this story as we close this morning and we partake of communion as Pastor Sean comes up here in a moment. Let me tell you something. People are looking for answers. People are looking for answers today. Be patient when they ask questions, church. Journeying with them in their journey as the Magi came and be patient. Second, people will find answers in his word. Give the truth. Give them the truth of the word of God, right? The truth will set you free, right? If you abide in his word, John 8, the truth will set you free. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man come unto me but by the Father, right? He is the truth. People will rejoice when they find what they are looking for. I know you two wrote a song, I can't find what I'm looking for. But we can find what we're looking for in scriptures. And lastly, people will be troubled by what they find. They might have some troubling times. But we're not exempt from those troubled times. But I'll tell you this, this was a Christmas to remember for the Magi. This was a Christmas to remember for Mary and Joseph. This was a Christmas even to remember for baby Jesus, the toddler at this time. It was a Christmas to remember. I'm praying that 2020 will be a Christmas that you remember. I have a feeling it will be. You're, you're the people that are being marked in history for the pandemic. It's a mark, a Christmas to remember. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for your hand of blessings as we studied your word. We pray there's a blessing in the reading and the studying of your word, Lord. We ask your hand upon it now, Lord, as we are coming humbly before you, as we're closing off this year, 2020. Lord, we're asking that we would finish it strong, that we would celebrate the new year, Lord, that, Father, you bring favor upon us. The churches were opening up more. Things were opening up, and people are being, being healed, being strengthened. Lord, we pray that you keep your people safe. Um, Lord, that we're going to come out of the valley here. But, Father, we know that uh, in the time of mourning, there's a time of rejoicing later. And we know that we're going to get to that time as a church, as a community in our history. But I pray for your people this morning. May your blessings be upon them, Lord. Father, as they seek in you, Lord. For those that are seeking you here this morning, that I pray, Lord, that you, by your word, will give them answers. And now, Father, they'll turn their heart toward you in rejoicing. So we thank you, we praise you, we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.